Soccer Podcast with Aaron Newsom. I am, of course, your host, Aaron Newsom. Um, today we have a guest that I've known for many, many years. Um, Windsor Elementary, Merrill Middle School, Roosevelt. We spent a lot of our youth hanging out, making movies, riding around in cars, and being ridiculous. Uh, class of 1992, Des Moines Roosevelt Rough Rider, Matt Geis. Welcome to the show, Matt. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course, buddy. It's good to uh, it's good to have you on and kind of get caught up. We've known each other. Yeah, this is a good opportunity to get caught up. We haven't talked for years, so I know, I know. I've I've been looking forward to this. Good, good. I have too. So first, let's start off and and have you tell us where you're calling from. I'm I'm in the greater metropolis of Packwood, Iowa. (laughs) There's only about. 200 people in the town out here, um, southeast, south, uh, east Iowa. Southeast uh, Iowa, okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. And how long have you lived there? I think we're going on, uh, how long have we been here? 10, 10 years? Yeah. 11. 11 years, I think. Dang, time flies. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I like it out here. It's different. Good. And your wife is from there, right? That's what takes you there? Well, she's actually from Ollie, Iowa, which is a town right next to Packwood, Iowa. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, originally, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll get into this, but we were living in Chicago, and then we moved to the suburbs of Chicago, and we always wanted to get back to Iowa. Yeah. I thought we'd end up in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, but uh, she got a job with her family out here, and she asked me if I wanted to rule, uh, live in uh, rural America. And I'd never done that before, and I was sick of traffic. So I thought, yeah, this this is this would be great. Let's slow life down, and uh, I, I haven't regretted it. It's nice to be out here. Good, good. The slow life is a, a nice life. It is, man. I I tell you what, I love cities. I'm just, I'm like an anomaly. I don't know if there's very many people out there that love cities, but also love living in a rural area. So I mean, cities are nice to visit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely give you that. Um, and and I, I actually do miss Des Moines quite a lot. And uh, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I, I probably will never get back living in Des Moines again, which makes me sad. So I like to go back as much as I can because it, it's a, it is a neat city. It's a smaller city. There's not as much yeah. you know, stuff you have to deal with like you would in Chicago. All right. So we know the end point. Which is Packwood? <laughs> yeah. Tell us the in between um, after graduate after you graduated. Tell us how oh, you got sure. to Packwood. Yeah. Uh, kind of a brief. Um, I know there's a lot there, so I'll I'll let you take it away, bud. Okay. Okay. So uh, where where to start? So after I graduated, I went to Iowa State. Um, my major is uh, uh, arts of assistant illustration because I I don't know if anybody remembers me, but I was quite an artsy guy so creative guy so i went to further that at iowa state originally i was trying to get into the graphics program but then i realized i didn't really like it that much um so when i was there i actually i i um went and hung out at a fraternity for a little bit and then pledged there and as you know you came out and hung out with us a couple of times and yeah uh, i ended up living there for five and just having I kind of lost focus. I think my focus was more on drinking beer than it was actually. I was doing just what I did, just stay in school and not get kicked out. 
Right. Because I was all about, you know, I was immature and I was all about partying and everything. You make it um, sound like you're the only person to ever do that. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely didn't come out of there with the greatest GPA. But um, then again, I didn't have a great one at Roosevelt either. Um, and so I graduated. Then I moved back to West Des Moines. I actually moved with my parents for a year or something like that. Um, and then moved into an apartment with a buddy and I still hadn't sowed my wild oats yet. You know, we're still having parties and everything and going out to the bar scene all the time in Des Moines. Yeah. I I remember Papa's planet. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. We, we logged in too many hours at that place. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in bars like that. And then, um, I, that buddy of mine that had an apartment with, he ended up, he actually went to school, um, he was a knoll. What is that? Uh, uh, I can't think of it right now, but he went to school out there. And so he ended up moving to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and asked if I wanted to live out there. And I was working at uh, Allied Group Insurance, which became Nationwide, which had yeah. nothing to do with art. Right. So I, long story short, I was kind of miserable there. And I kind of wanted to get out of Des Moines because, you know, at that point, I'd lived my whole life there besides Ames. And so I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I actually enrolled at uh, the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and, start, and um, started working towards a computer animation degree out there. Um, but after about a year of that, um, it, it actually got kind of, we we're going to a lot of clubs and it was just, I was living a lifestyle that was getting kind of, you know, it, it wasn't quite me, you know, doing yeah. Some, not quite right things out there and and uh you weren't selling your body were you i was not selling my body okay okay there were some dark times there let's just there was some experimentation that i not sure i want to go on record with (laughs) sure um, yeah so i was and then i it ended up he ended up taking some money from me he got my credit card oh geez yeah he met card and i was like okay well i'm moving out i'm not living with you anymore and i was really missing the midwest um so i moved to chicago because i didn't want to move out to um back to des moines but i don't know do you remember nikki ferguson at all she went to valley yeah yeah Yeah, so she was living out there in chicago with her boyfriend so i I moved out there and i lived in her boyfriend's apartment for a while and and that's the reason i mean her living there otherwise that, that was the reason, yeah, I was, she okay. knew that I wanted to move back to the Midwest. She knew I wasn't happy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I loved it out there. It was beautiful, lots of palm trees. Oh, yeah, it's so nice. Oh, man, we were going, you know, I went to the Florida Keys a couple Oh, that's the best. Times. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. Oh, absolutely. It was, I was still trying to sow my wild oats, you know. I was still partying, and, and um, then we... Um, we went to Miami beach a couple of times, but I could just tell I'm such a Midwest guy. You know, it's like, I did not fit in at all in Miami beach. You know, Right. I so, was not a fan of Miami beach when we went there. It, yeah, it was you know, too much for me. It was, it's like, you know, I did like it out there. Um, a lot of topless beaches. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. I found myself you know, on one of those too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, but you know, you've got a lot of East Coast people like that are from New York or they were from a country down south. You know, it was just you didn't find a lot of people or any people from Iowa down there. Right. Um, and if you did, they were probably really old 
because a lot of old people like to live in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I liked it. But um, then I moved to Chicago and I moved into Nikki Ferguson's uh, boyfriend's place. He ended up becoming a really good friend of mine. And good. I mean, I, I was loving it out there. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a, I love Chicago. I absolutely felt I lived in uh, Lincoln Park. Yeah. Um, I actually ended up interviewing at a – so I transferred from the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale to the Illinois Institute of Art and uh, was pursuing a multimedia degree or whatever. I ended up not finishing that because I just got burnt out on school. Sure. Um, so, yeah, my uh, loans were pretty hefty. But uh, I was working at a Starbucks. I actually interviewed for a job with my wife's brother before I even knew my wife. Um, and I. That's funny. I know. I turned down the job for a graphic design job. Then that didn't work out. So then I so, so the Starbucks, let me stop you there. When yeah. you were working at the Starbucks, didn't you wait on Nev Campbell and uh, yeah, John Cusack? I did. I did. I actually had heard that Nev Campbell and John Cusack were coming into Starbucks at the one, the one that I was working at because they had an apartment next door. And, uh, you know, I was just sitting there wiping my counter off and, and, uh, I heard um, a voice that, you know, we've grown up listening yeah. to John Cusack. So I knew who it was without looking up. I knew. And I'm such a dork. I get starstruck. You know, I'm not one of these guys that are like actors. You know, they put their pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. I'm not like that because I love movies too much. So I get starstruck. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's John Cusack. And I tried to help him without spilling the drink and everything. And then later on, his uh, oh his his girlfriend at the time, Nev Campbell, had come in before him, and it was my birthday actually. I think when she came in, and the gal that I was working with was like, "Hey, it's his birthday," and she's like, "No, it's not." And they were like, "Yeah, it is." So she sang me "Happy Birthday." So awesome. Yeah, and I saw Jerry Springer would come in, and oh boy, yeah, Oprah's uh, uh, boyfriend Stedman came in. Really? Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Um, I don't know. Was, I can't remember what exactly happened, but he was kind of condescending. But then I thought, God, you know, what's Oprah seeing you, dude? I don't know. <laughs> so um, we were right <laughs> off of Michigan Avenue um, next to the John Hancock building. Yeah. Um, yeah, right across from Mike Ditka. So I saw Mike Ditka all the time. And I, I was actually in a bar and he was like about five people away from me. Um, and, and then he came over and he talked to the person that was sitting right next to me that I'd come to the bar with. And, uh, so I never talked to Mike Ditka, but I was sitting there going, Oh my God, Mike Ditka's talking to the person that I'm with. <laughs> so it's close enough, man. One degree, enough, you know, one degree. Point, Iowa, it never has anybody. Yeah. So I, I fell in love with Chicago. You know, we, I, I lived on uh Lincoln park. Then I moved to the Wrigley field area. And I lived right off the first baseline. There's no longer stands there anymore. But um, at the time, there were stands on the roof of my apartment. And then Beth, who I was dating at the time, um, she lived in an apartment right behind the scoreboard. So, I mean, at the time, Sammy Sosa was knocking things out of the park. And they were bouncing into her yard. Wow. Yeah. So, it was and to live in that environment, it was half the time it was amazing it was fun but the other half of the time i was going to work or something and i thought all these people are having fun and there's a giant party around me and i gotta go to work it sucks right <laughs> but um eventually we ended up living in that apartment 
together behind the star scoreboard. Um, we didn't live together that long. And I think I'd asked her to, I had, I'd asked her to marry me at that point. Um, and then we knew that we couldn't raise kids in Chicago because you could do it, but she was working at Northwestern hospital uh, where they filmed ER, by the way. I don't know if you remember that show that might yeah. be, yeah. but there'd be times I'd be walking through the hospital to go find Beth. And I'd be like, Oh my God, they just filmed the ER scene here. Um, and I'd recognize it from the show. I didn't uh, know they actually filmed it there, though. I know it was yeah, based they off did some it. scenes. I mean, you know, the. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, most of it was filmed in their studio or whatever where they had a fake yeah. uh, set. A set. That, yeah. yeah. Their set. That wasn't, that was not real. But they would film, uh, like, walking through a skywalk or something. And just to give it that authentic feel of being in Chicago. They would film around Northwestern Hospital. And so, you know, I'd be walking through Chicago and boy, you know, I'd, all the time that would happen. I'd be like, oh, my God, they filmed Batman right here. One time I was walking through Union Station and I stopped because I started geeking out because they had filmed. Oh, God, what was that Kevin Costner movie with Al Capone? And uh, uh, what's his oh, name? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, what was that? I know what you're talking about. Sean Connery's and, uh, in it, Sean Connery was in the Untouchables, it. the Untouchables. Yeah, I was that scene where the baby carriage went yeah. down the steps. Yeah. And well, I was walking and I stopped and I looked around. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm on that, I'm in that place where they filmed it. And I was looking around and I geek out at things like that. So I was totally, I thought that was so cool. And then, um, anyway, it was a good time. We found, we made a group of, uh, I found a group of friends out there that were, we were all transplants, you know, like some guy was from Boston, another guy, we were from all sorts of corners of America, but we'd all come to Chicago for various reasons and we, we would hang out there. And I, admittedly, I don't really keep in touch with those people much anymore. Sure. It was a good, it was a fun time. And then by the time we were married, you know, I was, I had sowed my wild oats. Finally, I wasn't, my goal wasn't to party and drink and whatever. I was more into being with my wife and creating a life. And so we moved to boring uh, suburbs of Plainfield, Illinois, which is not one of the, you know, it's a pretty boring suburb. That's actually probably the one of the farthest suburbs. It's by Joliet. Yeah. Uh, which also uh, we, uh, you know, would go by the prison and that's where they um, had filmed Blues Brothers. And, um, you know, so it was kind of cool going by that place. But uh, so, you know, when Beth and I were dating, she was like, I want four kids. And I'm like, you're smoking crack. There's no way we're going to have four kids. I want three tops. So we had our first two kids, Ben and Abby, boy, girl. And then Beth was like, I want that third kid. And I'm like, no, we got a boy and girl, you know, nobody else in Illinois has more than, you know, I don't want to overpopulate the earth, whatever lame excuse I was giving, but she talked me into it. I tried to fight it, but eventually. Sure like, you did. Yeah. You know, right. You know, what I'm going to stop having right. fight me, Mike. So I'm right. like, sure, I'll, I'll have that uh, third kid. Anyway, she gets pregnant with twins. So. So now, you know, I got four kids. I was freaking out at the time. At this point, I was working at Trader Joe's. I, 
I was uh, helping to open different stores and uh, designing murals and different displays and doing different uh, lot. I was in the art thing. In a, yeah. uh, you're familiar with Trader Joe's. Yep. You know, you go in there and they have local artists that do everything. And I was, I was part of that scene doing that out in Chicago and, and in, and in the suburbs. And, um, so, you know, she calls me up there and I'm in the break room, tells me she's pregnant with twins. And that's how everybody found out at work. Cause I freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave for the day? Clock out and go home. Yeah. I was like, I probably just put my head on the desk and cried. You know, I, my thing was like, how are we going to afford four kids? So, and, and so the other thing, Aaron, is that we always wanted to move back to Iowa. We always yeah. talked about it. Everybody assumed that Beth and I moved to Chicago together from Iowa. But no, we were just two Iowa people, you know, kind of, you know, I thought she was a cute blonde girl. And we started dating and and uh, from Iowa. And, you know, we had things that were in common. And, and uh, you, you know, how that all works. And yeah. four kids later in the suburbs, uh, Trader Joe's. Uh, I found out was going to open a store in West Des Moines. And I was like, I can't believe that of all the states. Why Iowa? You know, because Iowa is always looked over for everything. So when I found out they were opening a store in West Des Moines, I'm like, that's our in. That's that's where we're that's an excuse because I can keep my job and get transferred to the one in West Des Moines. And then you look for a job at a hospital. Um, She was an RN on it at an oncology floor and she was kicking ass so anyway how that all went down is that's about the time when the housing bubble uh exploded remember enron and all that crap yeah yeah crap hit yes it was it was a brutal time brutal time yeah so all the houses started going into foreclosure around us and i was like Beth, this is the time to leave this is the time to sell our home you know so you know, we got a guy that was going to try to sell our home and he showed up, opened his newspaper and just put his feet on our, on our, um, I don't know, coffee table or whatever and didn't do a damn thing. And I'm like, cause he just expected us to go into foreclosure. But I was like, at that point we were hellbound and ready to move to Iowa, but we weren't selling that home. So what happened is I went to an apartment in West Des Moines and was working in the West Des Moines Trader Joe's while she stayed in Ollie, Iowa with all the kids with their parents. Because we couldn't afford to have a house in Plainfield. Yep. And, and have a Two house mortgages. Yes. Right. And everything was going into foreclosure. And uh, actually, are you familiar with Dave Ramsey by any chance? Uh, talk, uh, money guy. He's a talk show dude. He's, he's all about helping families with with money problems we didn't have money problems but you know we we were looking like we were going to because we weren't going to be able to sell our home we were going to go into foreclosure um but uh he had an advertisement for for realtors that they were um that they backed and whatever anyway i called that number that he offered on his program to find a realtor in illinois long story short we got somebody that was really good and she sold our house right right before we went into a short sale um yeah so at that point i'm working in west des moines i'm about three months away uh, away from my family living in an apartment 
Um, let me tell you, the first two weeks was awesome being a bachelor again, being a partner by myself. Yeah, but you get lonely quickly. You do. Yeah, you're not with your family. Yeah. I'm like, this sucks. The and, nights um, are long. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably cool for a day or two, maybe three. Right. Then... Yeah, exactly. And um, she was, she, you know, she's out there struggling with, with two newborn babies and and uh and young kids and i'm not there to help her like honestly that could break a lot of families like there's a lot of stress involved and stuff like that and then you know guilt and you know it's uh it can add up and it 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 was stressful and it was scary you know We, we here we had just moved our family she wasn't really she was working for her parents at this point because they had they have a couple insurance agencies, um, and so she was working for her dad, and she was so she had a job, but it was scary because we were going into a short sale. We didn't know what the future. I mean, we just up and moved everything from one state to another state. It wasn't like we had a job that was helping us to move. You know, we were all we we're on the hook for all of this. You know, I mean, I was. We That's, weren't making a ton of money. She this was story sounds like one that your grandparents would tell you. <laughs> we we and, used to walk 20 miles every day. Yeah. From. No, no, like like your dad would sit down and tell you, yeah, when I was a baby, grandma and grandpa loaded up the car, drove halfway across <laughs> the country with no job lined up. You know, like seriously, that is oh, that thanks, story. Man. Thanks. I mean, it was... It was scary, but you know, Beth and I, we love each other. You know, I don't know why I'm, I, I don't know why she sticks with me, but, um, you know, we, we actually, at the end of the day, we genuinely like each other. So that's kind of the glue, you know? Yeah. But yeah, we got four kids, you know, we're in the thick of, you know, there's, he just turned 16. She's going to turn, uh, 14 and the twins turn 12. And they're not quite teenagers, but we're getting to the point where they're all going to be teenagers. And it's real stressful right now because we're so damn busy. Right. Um, you need to add another bathroom on that house, man. Uh, oh, shit. Did, did you know I got one bathroom? So this house is actually, uh, to be completely transparent, it's a, it's a big house, but it's an old house. So, sure. That's you a know, that's an old farmhouse, I'm sure. Yeah. Most of, is there any new houses in in Packwood? They're probably all from the. Okay, so it's like if you took Des Moines and shrunk it down, you know, east side, west side, south side, north side, yeah. and shrunk it down to a town of 200 people, it's like, okay, the south side. You know what that looks like? That's like five houses down from me. You know what the east side looks like? Well, that's about six houses down from me. You know what West Des Moines looks like? That's across the street from me. But then my backyard looks like, you, you know, like, like, uh, what side didn't I mention? It's like North. the Drake area behind me. But, you know? so but like, do you have a Casey's? We don't even have a Casey's. Oh, man. man. The, that... the, like, yeah, it's literally a worn horse. Town. You, you're in I trouble. Know. I know, man. It's, uh, and that was a culture shock moving out here because I'm like, you mean I have to drive a half hour away just to get a Slurpee? You know, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I don't know. My, so, uh, and you tell me if I'm taking too much, giving too many details here, but um, we ended up. How did we do that? So I was working at uh, Trader Joe's. I quit my job. 
because she was like, my dad offered me a full-time position here. I'm like, yeah, I'm sick of traffic. Cause at that time when I was living West Des Moines about 11 years ago, I'm like, it is almost, the traffic is just as bad. Yeah. It, it had a nice explosion while you were gone. I mean, you were, you were here for some of it, but it, took off again dude i don't even recognize des moines anymore it's gotten so big that I'm yeah like, it's like a tiny chicago but um it, you know in chicago i was driving like hour commute through through on the stevenson just heavy traffic you know five five lanes of traffic and everybody's trying to kill each other to get to work no thanks i couldn't yeah, do that, that day after day honestly aaron if, if 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 you didn't have any cars around you It'd probably take 15 minutes to get to work, but we're talking an hour and that's leaving at four 30 in the morning to beat all the traffic. So I remember riding with you one time in your grandpa's car. It's like an Omni era Chevelle. Remember that, that white one? Yeah. Yeah. So we were leaving a friend's house at, it was late, but it was summertime and, and the windows had fogged up. You (laughs) made me turn off the radio and be quiet in the car so you could concentrate. (laughs) You said, you said, turn the radio off and be quiet so I can concentrate. I can't imagine you driving in Chicago. Yeah. Like I couldn't even talk like the, this is Des Moines where the streets aren't even busy. I can't right. imagine you fighting the traffic in Chicago. I know. Yeah. Right. And you know what? The funny thing is I never got in a wreck. All that traffic out there, all that, um, you know the hustle and bustle and all the i never got in a wreck until i moved out here and then all this what paying attention and now i'm getting in wrecks out here and i'm like what the hell did you hit a tree or something there are no other cars right i'll tell you buddy i'm like out in rural iowa you don't realize it but okay so if you're in des moines or chicago it's like traffic lights and cars everywhere and you're paying attention but you move out here, you just get complacent. And the thing about out here is like, so if you're getting a wreck in Des Moines, Chicago, it's a fender bender, right? You know, it, yeah. yes, it sucks, but everybody walks away. Out here, it's like if you go off the road two inches, you drop down a mile into a ditch. You know, I've, and when the roads get icy, I've had it where I lose total control of the car. You start fishtailing because you're trying to overcorrect. I can they, see that. What was that? I can see that much. Yeah. And then you're spinning 360 degrees. And next thing you know, you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. And you're in the, you're end up in a cornfield just sitting there. And you're like, oh, well, I, I didn't die today. That's good. Um, Once we'll do- again, saved by the corn. Yeah, saved by the corn. Yeah. it's uh, So it's kind of like my son just turned 16. He's going to start driving. And I'm like, okay, so there's less opportunities for wrecks out here. But then again, I think that makes you complacent. So when you do get in a wreck, you're either going a mile down a ditch or you're going full speed into a combine or yeah. the nitrous oxide or not nitrous oxide. What do they put on all their farm fields out here? The toxic chemical. Anyway, yeah, so I'm worried about him, um, you know, country life. Gravel roads can be kind of tricky oh, for roads, sure. God. Yeah, I've hit, I've done like, there's one time I was doing like 60 down a normal road and I missed the sign that it said it was going to turn into gravel, gravel. And I hit that thing doing about 60 and all, you can't stop because if you try to slow yourself down, it'll fishtail and you'll die. So all I could do is take my foot off the grass, 
you know, you're just white knuckling the steering wheel and going, dear Lord, please let the rock slow my car down <laughs> and, uh, and just hope you don't die. So I'll take that rush hour traffic any day in Chicago over this place. <laughs> All right, bud, let's move, let's move forward a, or let's move back a little bit. Okay. Okay. So, I worked at Felix and Oscars with you. I know all about that job. Yeah, we had we had fun. There. Yeah. What is what is one of the worst jobs you've had? One of the worst jobs? Oh my god, working for the post office. I ended up getting a job at the post office out here, and that's just a soul sucking. Dude, I ended up injuring my knee and at work, turned it in, and that turned into a four year battle where I had a lawyer. What? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I started out as a rural carrier, which you get your car yeah. and, you're, and you're delivering mail, which I love because I eat sunflower seeds all day and listen to podcasts all day. And and, um, you know, there's a pretty stressful time in the morning when you're trying to get your sort. Yeah. And I was a backup carrier. So um, I did. It wasn't like my full time job. So you didn't really know the routes as well. And when you're full time, you just have one route. Well, I had like four or five routes I had to remember. And that's a lot, you know, right. so hundreds of mailboxes. And you had to organize all that. And, you know, of course, people are like, I want my mail facing the northerly direction. And I want my bills on top. And yeah, no. You know what I mean? So you're like, <laughs> no, hell, get out of here. Yeah, no shit. So, but, you know, you try to remember that the best you can. But I like that. But then I wasn't going to get full time because there's people hang on to those jobs out here. Oh, so Cush government job. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, try being a clerk. So I was like, but I was warned about this office. They're like, you don't want to be a clerk in Sigourney. But I took the job and I got along with my boss for a couple of years until that fell apart. And then, and then it just was a real rough work environment. And, uh, but a good came out of it though. So I got injured. I reported it. Um, she lied, said I never reported it. Then we got the union involved. And I, I was looking for work with restrictions because my knee was all screwed up. I, I went to a couple of hospitals or medical places. And they were like, they, when they found out it was workman's comp, they wanted nothing to do with it. And they wouldn't even see. Because yeah, so they didn't want to get dragged into that. They that did. battle and have to testify and right it yeah. was awful dude it's a racket so at the end of the day you know they did pay me for like two months while i was uh not on the job and and then they weren't giving me work with restrictions which was mostly the boss i had in sigourney and then so i was like getting kind of scared because i'm like i need to work but i can't walk and then um then it suddenly those checks stopped and then suddenly I got the threatening letters from the um, uh, federal government that was like, if we find out that this is fraud, we're going to want all that money back. And I'm like, but this wasn't fraud. And every time I kept getting medical doctors to send their letters in or whatever, they kept sending me rejection letters that were uh, saying, uh, this is this is not this is we think this is fraud or this didn't happen. And I was like, oh, writing's on the wall. They're going to want like two months of payback and I'm not getting paid. So we need all that money. Um, so I kept fighting it and fighting it. Eventually, I was like, I need somebody to help me because they're, this is a racket. And I found out the only people that can help you is not just workman's comp people, but 
federal workers comp and so there's like only six lawyers in america that do that are you serious dead serious so i got like i think that's about the number six eight something like that so i ended up getting this guy and he's like you don't have to pay me until we win and i was like so scared for four years because i'm like i think i just made a deal with the devil and they're gonna give me a big bill and i'm gonna owe a lawyer the rest of my life long story short I ended up getting some money from the federal government, a good chunk of change. But at the end of the day, Aaron, I really, all I wanted was just to work. You know, I believe me, after four years of fighting this, I was like, I'm not going to turn the money down. But it right. was not, yeah. that's taxpayer money. And I'm you know what? To- no, no, but here, the bad thing about it is yeah, the battle that you had to go through because you know the idiots before you that have abused the system yeah, have put yeah. them have put them on their edge of their seat, you know, to right. attack it's attack defensive. anybody. Yeah. Right. And then you who have a legitimate claim right. are getting preyed upon. Like it's just a shitty situation for everybody. And I mean they're to blame, but uh, you, they're you know, also to a small degree. I yeah, and I think the system is set up so uh, they pay the people that won't go away. Like there, there's a big percentage of people sure. give up because I invested money and time into it, my yeah. own money, you know, and there was no guarantee that I was going to win. In fact, it kept looking like I was going to lose. So well, I really it, And people play. don't think they can battle the government either. Right. And I, I believe me, I wrote letters to Joni Ernst and, and uh, oh God, what's the other guy? I'm having a uh, Chuck Grassley. I sent them letters and they had their low level interns respond to me. You know, they made a phone call. That's all they did. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I've got like two inches of paperwork of going back and forth. And they would send me letters like, hey, the doctor didn't use a red pen. They used a blue pen instead of a red pen. Um, they need to redo it. Or, you know, I don't know. Just trying to wear you out. Yeah, they were. And they, you know, I don't know how many doctors I had to go to. One of them was in Chicago. Here I'm in rural Southeast Iowa. So I had to drive out to Chicago because that's the doctor they wanted me to use. So it, it turned into this long battle. And at the end of the day, I didn't know if I, how this was going to turn out, but I kept thinking the lawyer was going to send a bill to me for, you know, and just destroy my family. Oh, he scared. took a third. He took a third of that. Trust me. Oh, uh, yeah. He took 20%. And honestly, oh, just 20%. I'm surprised he, by that. Yeah, it was 20%. And he actually ended up, I didn't do the math, but uh, he actually only took about 20% of it. And I, you know, it wasn't a huge amount, but it was a chunk of change. And I took it. I'm like, but then again, at the end of the day, it was all the taxpayers. It was money from people that I didn't want. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to freaking work. Um, but you know, okay. So the good that came out of it is that here I am, I'm injured. I feel like a moron because my boss had beat me down and, you know, told everybody in the office how bad I was. So I went, I, I wanted to get back into art, but what do I do out here in rural Iowa? Have no clue. Well, I could be a teacher, you know, I've got 20 years of experience, you know, doing graphic design, web design, you know, freelance in some capacity. I was always doing that. Um, also going to the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and the Illinois Institute of Art. I knew a little bit of multimedia stuff. So I'm like, let's, let's go be a teacher. So next thing I know, I'm going to school for two or three years to do that. And now I actually have a job, first year teaching. 
Um, I run the, the art, pretty much the art department in a small school out here at the Pekin Community School District. I'm a, I run the art department and I'm the yearbook advisor. So uh, I'm much happier. I love what I'm doing now. Um, you know, you can't put a price tag on happiness. Um, amen, brother. I mean, it, that's and it, my wife and I came to that conclusion several years ago that chasing the almighty dollar isn't what is cracked up to be if you're not happy. Exactly. Right. I agree with you. I mean, you know, you can be making a hundred thousand, 200,000 a year, but you know, if you're not happy, is it worth it? Right. Yeah. You only get one go. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, right. I've got a humble home. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that we graduated with. Um, hell, even some of the fraternity brothers of mine graduated, you know, they're engineers and I'm sure they love their jobs, but they I'm sure their homes are like huge, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, I got a humble home. It's a rural home. Um, it needs a lot of work, but my family fits inside of it. Um, I've got a big dumb dog. Um, you know, we've, we've got enough money to do things, to have fun and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's taken me 48 years, but I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I can do this until I retire and be happy. I'm in a place where life is slowed down. I'm not going to lie though. There's, uh, not everybody, but there's a lot of redneckiness out here. There's a lot of, sure. you know, where, where wearing bib overalls is an actual fashion choice. You know, it's, it's, uh, have you converted yet? Uh, you know what, dude? I will tell you, I wear the Carhartts now. Oh, that a boy. Yeah, I do own a truck. And, oh, man, you, know, you are there. I love ranch, you know. And I You've eat, made it. I made it, dude. I'm total. But the thing about after living outside of Iowa, when I did move back to Iowa, I embraced it, man. I'm like, I am all about farmers. I'm all about the people of Iowa. You know, that stuff used to embarrass me because I was like, oh, we're only from Des Moines. You know, we're in the Midwest. We're not cool. Screw that, man. I'm all I, I'm all in, man. Jeez. I, I like uh, you know, I, I like my ranch, you know. Uh, I don't like our current governor, but, you know, whatever. I, I love anything and everything. I even like the state fair, and that's about the most, you know, yokel thing that I can think of, but. You know, we got we got a neat state. You know, I'm. I'll take it. Yeah, it. Right. I'm. I don't plan on moving anywhere. So this is will be where I'm. You know, right. Born, raised, and and end up dying. So it is. Well, it is. Of us have moved out of the state of Iowa and then have come back because we we know that it is a jewel out here and that people are are good people out here and they they are. You know, I, when I moved out to Illinois, you know, people from Illinois had their thing, you know, and, and I loved Illinois and I love Chicago, but I was never from Chicago. I was never from Illinois. Same thing with Florida, but I'm from out here. Maybe I didn't grow up in a rural area, but, um, you know, I'm from Iowa and I, like I said, I embrace it. I love my farmer friends out here. Um, well, you know what home feels like when you feel it. Like, yeah, you know what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, I I can 
I, I'm big on Iowa. I do love it out here. I'm no long. I'm no longer embarrassed. I I want to good. This good. Is, this is uh, yeah. So what do you do these days for fun? What is what does Matt Geist do? do? Yeah. Uh, so I got a group of friends out here that you know we've kind of we we <clears throat> we'll get together on the weekends. One of the things I like about out here is that. Um, you can build a fire in your backyard or in our driveway, even we'll put a fire pit out here and, um, dude, that's heaven for me is just having friends out around us and the friends we hang out with, they're at our speed now. So we're not staying out till real late, except there has been a couple of days in the summer where weekends where we, Oh my God, it's two in the morning and we're still laughing. Um, that, that rarely happens because we all have kids and we're old. So <laughs> but, nothing uh, wrong with that. Yeah, so we'll sit around a fire and and uh, drink and you know and and uh, actually, so this sounds real rednecky, but honestly, it's it's a good time. We we've gone to different parts of Iowa to to go tubing. <laughs> it, you know, have you ever gone tubing? No, I don't know if that's for me. It's fun as hell. You just put a big tube in the lake and you sit in it and. Uh, you know, you just float down with your friends and you drink and you, and I know it sounds so rednecky, but it's, uh, it is so fun, man. And then you just, you just float for four or five hours. And then when we're done, we go out to eat somewhere and, um, the kids love it. We don't have to have the kids around us. We're like, go, go a mile away. We can see you. So we know if you're drowning, but get away from us. <laughs> so sounds sounds uh sounds very country <laughs> it is dude it is but again i'm i'm embracing that iowa yeah. life and you know I, I yeah i'm no longer sitting in miami south beach but to be honest with you that wasn't my cup of tea so i'm gonna take this iowa thing absolutely and, yeah i'm gonna bite into it and I don't know. Maybe that's a weird analogy, but I, I'm going to embrace the the tubing. I'm going to I'm going to embrace sitting around a fire and and uh, you know we'll listen to music sometimes and and so that's my heaven is just being around friends and and neighbors and and um, hanging out. <laughs> good, good. So I'm going to bring up a memory from high school when oh. you were when you were driving uh, <laughs> the station wagon. Yeah, and we were. We were south of Grand, and we were, yeah, so we are coming up a, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, um, right. it was a bridge, and we were going up to the top yeah. of the bridge, and you turned a corner and yeah. went just a little bit up on the curb where there happened to be a, a fire hydrant right there <laughs> that started started at the back door and dragged all the way down the side. I know, dude, so. So we stop the car and we get out and look, and then you go ahead and take it over from there. What's going through oh. your mind when we see the dent? I I went, well, first off, when I hit it, you know, as hindsight's 2020, and with the experience I have now, I should have stopped, you know. But, of course, I'm this idiot teenager I hit the gas and I just t drag that thing down the side of my yeah. dad's station wagon. Yeah, that big uh, what is it, Oldsmobile or something? Is that big red boat? Yeah, it was amazing. 
Oh my God, I know, dude. And it was well, rough. first of all, getting to use it on a weekend night was almost like pulling teeth. So oh it was dad, it was yeah. a privilege to be in it. Yeah, and I was a year older than you guys. So yeah. I had my license. Yeah. And, uh, my dad was such an asshole about that thing, you know. But but I, you know, but then again, maybe he needed to be because I ruined it. But uh, <laughs> it's hard to ruin an already ruined car. I know, right? So. God, and then after we did that, I think that I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. My parents are going to kill me. And to this day, my dad still gives me shit about it. And I tell people this, and I don't know, maybe you could back me up on this, but or not. But I swear to God, that fire hydrant was like a foot away from the curb. If I remember, he made you drive out there. He wanted to see where it happened. Yeah. Yeah, and and, you, and he actually got an understanding of how it happened. No, he didn't. And he you know, didn't. But but the thing is, Aaron, I went back there, and and people they're like, "You're lying." Um, they ended up moving that fire hydrant back. I don't know if it's because I damaged it or if they realized, oh, this is way too close to the curb. But they ended up moving it because they they I came out and looked, and it was like they had dug a big hole and they'd moved it back, and they were in the process of re reburying it and i think i recall taking my dad out there but he was seeing red you know he didn't he didn't care what was yeah. that was i ruined his precious oldsmobile and uh you know so oh you know my dad was kind of an asshole growing up <laughs> yeah he was not happy about that no i'm not like that with my own kid i don't have i'm not a- i'm not either man me neither. Yeah. We have those experiences to draw on, and I think that makes us better for it. Yeah, right. I can tell you that my dad loved me, and he, there was love there, and there was safety. But, boy, that guy was a dick. And to this day, I mean, I don't have that many years left with him, um, and I love my dad. But, dude, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> Your mom, I'll say, I, I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah, you'll, you'll understand my comment, but your mom is a saint. I will say that. My mom, Vicky, is the best. Yeah, yeah she. And always has I love my mom, um, and I have to watch it. I cannot. I don't want to, you know, because I don't have that many years much with my mom either. But I, I gotta watch my complaining to her about my dad because sure. we don't live next to each other. I don't get to see him that often. And um, I, I got to make sure that every time I call him, the conversation isn't about, this is why I hate my dad, <laughs> you know, and right. I did love my dad. And, um, but I don't ask his opinion about many things and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he'll give them to me even if yep. I don't ask. And I got to watch what I tell him in my life. It's unfortunate, but, um, I, you know, if I tell him things that are going on with my kids or I, he he's he's devil's advocate to the point where he's not even supportive. He's just trying to tell me so why I'm wrong. At, at that point, when you've moved out, you're married, and you have kids. Like, yeah, you have to transition from being son father to almost like best friends. Friends, you know, like a it's more of a friendly relationship. Like with, a, with my a, father, you mean? Yeah, like a tight friend. Um, because he doesn't have that power of a father or he shouldn't anymore. You still respect him the same, but I think things transition or are supposed to into a different period where you, you know, you do things, you have a beer together, like, like friends would, you share things like friends would you get advice 
that's still fatherly, but on a friendship type level, because the relationship has to, I mean, that's, that's my ideal. No, I'm sorry, bud. That's my ideal and and what I think should happen. And I hope happens in my case. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I just think so. uh, I got a brother, you know, Brian, he's, yeah. He's got, you know, he's dealt with some mental yep. issues, you know. And, and I think a lot of the people listening are also friends with Brian on Facebook. And they, right. see, they see some of those. Dude, I got to tell you, I, I love my brother. And I know this is a podcast, so I don't think I can say too much about him. But um, if anything, just know that my brother, it, he didn't ask to have his illness um, he didn't choose it the way I see it. He's a victim. It does make him uh, say and think things that are not um, accurate about people. And yeah. he's very opinionated about things. And and he he's he's, um, you know, he's just he doesn't see the world that we see. And um, it, it is it's his cross the bear. Um, I, I, I don't ever really get mad at my brother anymore for what he says. Sure. I truly know it's not his fault and it's, it's something just, you know, it's sad. It's, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure. I should. Yeah, say he, about he's that. a rough rider. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like I said, most of the people listening or a lot of them are friends with him and they know probably at this point a little bit of what, you know, he's. He's yeah, dealing dealing with. Well, so we can all that, agree that he's an absolute incredible artist. He and what people may not understand is he's always had that ability. So his oh, so so you and him, and then Adam does his. He has his thing too. So it's weird how, how the guys boys. You know, you have you have a uh, you have brown hair. Adam yeah. has like had blonde hair, <laughs> and Brian has red hair. So we always made fun of you guys. Oh for yeah. Having, Three different hair colors. Right. It was. I always used to say it was the milkman, meter man, and the uh, mailman. But Brian yeah. would always make these clay figures that were just to a T, and they could be like two inches high, and they were exact replicas. Right. He's always had that ability, oh, and yes. um, oh. I, yeah. And I don't know when the illness started creeping in. I think it was around his his later twenties, to yeah. mid, mid mid to later. Um, but it's very common in males. Yeah. Um, I, I shouldn't say common, but around that, that college that age to mid. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is more males than females that get that. Yeah. Um, and, go on, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean to keep interrupting, but, um, I, I, I can remember exactly the day that I went, uh, Oh, we're, uh, we're, we're dealing with something. I actually, you know, I don't mean to interrupt myself, but I have this nasty habit. I, I smoke, but, um, not a lot, but enough to say that I'm not a non-smoker. And so I'm going to light one up here if you don't mind and knock yourself out. I know it's a nasty habit, but, uh, God damn it. I love smoking. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I mean, it started, I remember, I remember I was with Adam and we were in Plainfield, Illinois, and we were looking at Facebook, and Brian started talking to us about the messages that he was seeing in Facebook, and I was like, what? You know, that would make anybody go, what are you talking about? And at the time, you know, I didn't think that he had an illness. I knew he's eccentric, you know, a little bit quirky, 
Right. That's always been Brian. So Adam and I sat down with Brian and he started pointing out these messages that he saw, but we didn't see. And, um, uh, you ever see that movie, a beautiful mind with yeah. uh, Russell? Yeah. Crow. Yeah. It was kind of, it was kind of that thing. And you're like, Oh boy, what's going on here? And then, you know, I just don't want to make my brother mad at me because I'm talking about it. No. Know? And there is a chance you could hear this. He is a part of the, I think he joined the group. And, yeah. you know, we love, Brian, if you are listening, we love you. We don't think any different of you. Right. Um, you know, you can always reach out to one of us, any of us. Um, we've seen the kid grow up. I mean, you're his brother, but he grew up, yeah. you know, two blocks away from from me, too. So we're there. Yeah. I mean, we all love him. And he was a yeah. really, really liked guy. But, yeah. again, I just wish people would know that if he says something, um, it's from a place that he can't control. He, he, um, you know, I, I know what it is, the mental illness he has. He's, he's doing heavy lifting. That guy is emotionally all over the place, much more than you or I, and you can hear it in the, what he talks and the, the, what, I mean, he is doing heavy lifting in his mind all the time. Yeah. And just the, the ability to survive that. I mean, well, I know I have two amazing bobbleheads and I'm looking at the one yeah. of me, the one of me right now, yeah. um, that, that he did and my wife had him do of her and me separate yeah. and, uh, they're really cool. And I'm, I'm proud to have those, oh, but let's, uh, let's yeah. kind of move on from that. Um, mm-hmm. we, we did a good job touching up on that. So give me, yeah, us. <laughs> give me the name of a, of a favorite teacher from high school. Oh, um oh uh you know because he's an art teacher i gotta say mr naminga Naminga, yeah yeah dude you know of course he was he was quirky and um you know uh he was a neat guy he was different you know back then he was giving remember he gives shoulder rubs to everybody (laughs) (laughs) no no i don't remember that i think that was just you Dude, I know it was more guys. Okay, I, I, sure. I, Whatever you got to tell yourself. Right. I'm going to name drop here, but I, <laughs> I've probably in the last few years, um, you know, I've started talking more and more with, with people I graduated with, like Colin Farrell, Brian Farrell. Yeah. Um, now, this would be people I graduated with, Tom Martindale, yeah. uh, Ryan Weaverling, and Paul Schantz, and uh, Katie Ingman. And, and um, oh, wait, that's not her last name. Oh, my God, I'm embarrassed myself here. Anyway, um, we've all kind of talked, and um, th- they those dudes they remember um, Mr. Naminga gave him the shoulder rubs. So when they um, found out I was going to be an art teacher, they <laughs> they were like, "Are you taking a shoulder rubbing class today?" <laughs> Man, you try pulling that in today's age, and it's oh not going to go well. So do you remember? And I was just thinking about this today. I kind of had a nervous tick, you know, when I would like. When I was with people I, I, I was friends with or whatever, I'd kind of not punch them in the shoulder, but I'd kind of tap. You remember that? In the I stomach. Said, it was in the stomach. Was it in the stomach? Yeah. God, it's so weird. It was but, like an um, open backhand to the stomach. Yeah. And it was kind of like, uh, I still, I still kind of, and, and it's actually kind of a, an endearment thing. Like if I, uh, if I like somebody, I'll kind of tap them on the shoulder, but I even got to keep that in check at school. Cause I even find sometimes if I'm really proud of something somebody's doing, I'll just kind of 
you touch him on the shoulder. And I'm like, I got, I got, you know, I can't. It's you can't, it's you, you know, being watch. friendly, right? Yeah, it's it's in that. Yeah, it's more like, hey man, you're doing a great job, but I'm like, you know, some people don't like to be touched. So, <laughs> God, this sounds worse than I. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's move yeah. along here. Uh, any <laughs> teachers that uh, you didn't agree with or didn't uh, like? Oh God, I don't know. More middle school. I I don't know. I uh, I, ha- I hated Merrill. I'll be honest. I hated. I Merrill. hated Merrill. I hated Merrill. I it loved Windsor rough. and I loved Roosevelt. Yeah. I couldn't, I could, I didn't like Merrill. Merrill we didn't, I felt like we didn't fit in at Merrill. I don't we were think bus I fit there. anywhere. We were bus there. And, and I felt like the, yeah. the area that Merrill's in is, is really well to do. So well, wealthy area. Yeah. I felt like there was kind of a divide and, and I could be wrong because I was young, but that's just how I felt. But, but here's the beauty of it. And this is, this is what, as an adult, I look back and I took it for granted. Um, but in the area that we went to school, um, it, it was, you could be sitting in, in class and you're next to somebody that has really wealthy parents. And then you're sitting next to another student that comes from a, maybe a socioeconomically uh, area. And it was just, there was diversity in that. Yeah. And, and was, we've touched on those too. in some of the other podcasts, you'll have to go back and listen to Erica yeah, Johnson and Julian's. Yeah. Yeah. We've touched on that. that. One yeah. of my eye opening moments was sitting in study hall in the cafeteria and I was sitting at a table yeah. with an Asian and an African American. And I'm like, man, and I was a junior, yeah. but I still remember it. Like you don't, you don't get this anywhere else. No, and then you go to a party that. and everybody's at the party. Right. And how, you know, like I said, you know, how diverse is that? Like in West Des Moines, sure, in Valley, they're all just a bunch of white kids, you know, and here we are. Back in our day, Valley has gotten better. Okay. But back yeah. in our day, yeah, it was pretty one-sided. Yeah. But I look at that fondly because now I'm in a school and I love where I'm at and I love the people, but it's rural America. It's, we're all white. There's some, there are some black kids, but, um. It's uh, that's kind of a culture shock for me out here because it's not, you know, I was living in Chicago. Actually, at one yeah. point I was I was subbing in the Chicago public school system in the projects. Nice. And I, yeah. And it was that was one of the coolest experiences of my life, Aaron. I was probably like one or two white guys in the school. I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm grateful that I got that that chance in my life. But now I'm on the other side of that where I'm in an all white school. And, you know, so a lot of these people have not had an opportunity and I don't want to stereotype and say it's everybody because it's definitely not everybody, but there's a, there's some people out here that just have not been exposed to, uh, people that aren't necessarily Christian and white, you know? Right. So, um, I'm dealing with that. Like, how do you teach diversification and other cultures to a school that is not exposed to any of that, you know, and they're systemic. I'm trying to be careful here because I don't really want to say that everybody's like that at the school or say anything bad about the school. Cause again, I love the school, but um, you hear things, you hear students say some things and, and you're like, okay, I should probably step in there and tell them what they are saying is wrong and racist. And, you know, and it's, it's tough. 
Um, but again, there's a lot of good people that, that did grow up out here that are not like that. So, right. um, you know, it's, uh, culture shock wherever I've gone, whether it be Florida or Chicago or, or out here, you know, but, but that's, I, I like that I had those experiences in different areas. Right. Well, that's what, what builds who you are. And Roosevelt was a big part of who we are. I know it's, only oh, absolutely. Four- I look back on that, Aaron, and I'm like, what a, what a, a beautiful school. What, what right. a great chance that we had growing up, you know, and now that we're older, um, I look back and I'm like, we all grew up in the same area. We're all from Des Moines, Iowa. We had more in common than I, I thought, you know, because at the point my worldview was when I was going to high school was just, you know, the people from our area. And I didn't realize because I hadn't experienced people from other places that just how much we really did have in common and and what a great experience we were getting for an education and a, and a place to go to school. I agree, man. So remember we used to make movies together and (laughs) before someone thinks they're funny, I'm talking like gangster movies and and crap like that. Like shoot them up movies. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were such idiots, but we put Brian in charge of that. And Brian, we put a book, we tape a book to someone's chest. He would fill like a, a a Ziploc baggie full of red water and tape that to the book. (laughs) And then he would tape a firecracker to the, to the Ziploc baggie and light it, put the shirt down. So when that firecracker went off, like blood splattered. So it looked like the person got shot. Right. This is, this is the, the industrial light and magic stuff. We were pulling back in like sixth and seventh grade, like right. we're lighting fireworks on each other. I know, but it was so fun, man. It was man. We were it... like trying to do our own version of Goodfellas. Oh yeah. And we were like, running around with nerf guns trying to act like we had real putting baby powder in each other's hair to look older <laughs> i forgot about that oh crap yeah oh, God, yeah those are good times man we probably had a big old giant vhs camera <laughs> we did oh we did i still have some of those i have most of them are you serious oh yeah i'd love to see that oh, i'm sure you would buddy i've watched them a- once or twice with the kids they're amazing Oh my gosh, man! Seriously, if I could, if you uh, could somehow, I know they're on VHS. How are you watching VHS movies? Yeah, see, that's the hard part is finding a VCR that doesn't chew yeah. them up because I've had that battle. I had to take the VCR apart to pull to the tape out. Yeah. yeah, because it was getting chewed up. These VCRs are trash. What a horrible stepping stone that was. Yeah. Right. Oh man, remember they'd eat the tape when you had it. Oh God. Yeah, that and. <laughs> Tape players. I mean, I know that oh, yeah. they serve their purpose, but man, it was so nice to get out of that phase. Oh man! And if you listen to a tape too much, it starts tight, yes. and it would sound the sound quality every time you listen to it get worse and worse, distorted. And yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of music, tell us, uh, tell us what you think of today's music. Oh man, you know some of it's really good, but some of it's just trash. Yeah, I think a lot of it's trash. But tell me what you think is good. I want to hear what you. Oh man, I, I like Imagine Dragons. I think they're I love I love that stuff. Um I like it the Metallica's still kinda doing their thing. I mean they went from uh you know, like the the um very back in the day it was 
uh, kids that wore black leather jackets with yeah. shoulders that went out and smoked in the uh, parking lot. <laughs> Julian and I were talking about that. The parking lot where they told you to go smoke. Like, nobody did anything. It was universally allowed. Right, That's where right. you go. Don't if you go smoke somewhere else, you're in trouble. You go smoke in that lot. Like right, what? Right. These are kids. Yeah. No. So that they were listening to Metallica. Now Metallica is all mainstream. You know, they're not as like right. Oh yeah. Underground as they used to be. You know. But who else do I like? It was um, a sad day when they had to cut that patch off the jacket. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, God, who else do I like? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of alternative music that I kind of like. Um, but that's, you know, I don't just, I listen to everything. The only thing that I can say I don't like, because I love blues, I love country, I love, I, I, I still listen to movie soundtracks, remember? I was, oh, yeah. Yeah, I still, I mean, that Hans Zimmer and... and um, James Horner. Yeah, so John Williams and John Williams, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So was, another thing that Matt used to do to us when we'd go to a movie, <laughs> he would oh, sit through the whole thing. I'm not talking until uh, the last credit rolled up the screen because he wanted to give the third key grip his due. <laughs> Dude, you know what the thing was? Is, but I know okay. when the Marvel movies came out and they showed those end cut scenes, it saved your ass a little bit. I'm telling, that, that's what I was going to say. In my defense, they knew people were doing that. So now we got our post-credit scenes. But uh, a lot of that was because, and, and a lot of it was OCD. I admit it was complete OCD. But I love the music. And I love, I love yeah. movies. I love movies. That's always been another escape for me as I watch a lot of movies. And I like... When you watch a really good movie, it's almost like you're decompressing and you're just listening to the movie. You're still feeling the emotions from a good movie and the story and the whatever you just the magic you just watched and that that those credits. I still love the music. I still do that, man. I still um, have to sit through the credits, listen to the final note, you know. And and uh, do you? I, know, yeah. I, I love movies too. They are a great escape. It's something I, I that I I yeah. take my kids and, and we have a good time. But do you remember growing up? So you had Felix and Oscars, yeah, as a as a pizza joint, sandwich pizza, whatever. Right next door was Nickelodeon, the arcade, which oh, was absolutely course. amazing. Right behind right. that was the Forum Four theaters. So you could go there, yeah. get some pizza, play some video games, go to a movie. Like it was it was heaven. Wasn't that cool? It was amazing, yeah. yeah. And then Best Buy was right there too, so you could go buy the movie or oh, buy right. a CD. It was, yeah. it was a wonderful place and a wonderful time. Right, we could go into Best Buy and and look at all the cool stuff that we couldn't afford. Exactly, and then, yeah. And then go play video games. You know, we didn't have back in our day. You know, we had to go to the arcade. Uh, but then our favorite pizza place that we worked at. Yeah, uh, was right there, and then yeah, and then you can go catch a good flick. You know, back in the day, they had blockbusters where it was like one, one release that summer, maybe two, which was a blockbuster, and then that's that's all you get until maybe the middle of winter. Um, unlike today, where there's blockbuster, you know, they're not even blockbusters because there's awesome movies like every five minutes. So um, it was it was a neat time growing up. Yeah, I agree. I love that little area. All right, so hey, well, yeah. real quick, is Felix yeah. Oscar still around? It is. It is. I ate there a little a week ago. Is anybody I... still working there from back in our day? So Tom Tommy Morgan owns it now. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Zingerman retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Mark Terrell, the bartender, is still there. Really? Yeah, and I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I love their pizza, and I haven't had yeah. that like probably my senior year of high school. Well, listen, next time you're in town, because they're not that far from your parents, yeah, get get a half bake one and take it home with you. Absolutely. I, I, I need to. It That's was, just being um, smart. I'm right. And, and it's why have I not made the, the correct decision in getting that pizza? I, I don't know. Every time I want to go there, nobody wants to go. And I, I think I'm just going to have to put my foot down. Yeah. Like, Listen, bitches, we're going to. Yeah. And I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All right. So tell us something that. Um, that the listeners wouldn't know. Tell us something about yourself. That they wouldn't know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well. You're an open guy. I know. There's nothing I'm hiding. Um, I don't know. I got. Oh, my God. So, this is a. I've got severe flat feet, man. And I'm having major foot problems now. I'm not a small guy. I, I don't look it. But I'm probably almost push it, pushing. I'm about 350 pounds, and I don't look it because I'm tall. And no I'm, way. I, yeah, dude, I'm I'm heavy, and um and here I'm smoking. Everybody's gonna be like, "Well, this uh he's gonna be dead before the podcast comes out." Great, Jesus. I'm I'm a pretty heavy guy, you know, and um my flat feet that doesn't uh oh my gosh so. I don't know. I, and, you know, I'm a teacher, so I got to be on my feet all the time. And um, I, I think I'm going to actually get surgery next year to actually get my feet corrected. And what You can do that? Like, yeah. They'll actually, um, like, mine are so bad that when I, if you take an x-ray when I'm standing, bones are actually shifting. And it's causing arthritis and all sorts of stuff. So I'm in, uh, I, I usually... We'll, we'll have a seat while everybody's standing. And, um, and not only that, you know, I'm not getting much exercise because I can't. The thing is, I could get on my bike and, like, ride 50 miles, but then get off my bike and I can barely walk. And it's, it's not because my legs aren't working. It's just my feet aren't right. So um, I'm going to probably – what they'll do is they'll fuse bones in my feet um, to, to kind of create an artificial arch. Um, but um, it's intense, man. It's like uh, – three uh six months of one foot healing uh, they'll break the bones and then they'll fuse them together six months not being able to walk on one foot oh my god dude i know it's intense but i'm at the point where i'm like i need to get it done because i'm too young to be um hop walk, hobbling around like i am and um you know i'm not saying i'm fat because of my feet that's definitely not the case um because i love food but um, it's also created where I'm not very mobile. I, my, my family will go, hey, let's go for a walk around the neighborhood. I used to go hiking. I can't do that anymore. So I want to have my feet back so I can yeah. turn around. You know, I didn't know what I was looking for or what I would get with the reveal. It definitely wasn't the flat feet, but yeah, get that. I know, dude. I get like, that, why am I talking about get that? Get that taken care of, man. We don't. We want you. We want you here as long as we can have you. I know, and I do think it, it contributed to my knee um, getting injured when I was uh, carrying mail. Because I used to, they used to, even though as a clerk, they'd send me out as an actual mail carrier, uh, city carrier is what they called it. And uh, I was just out walking, and my 
the meniscus and my knee tore. Um, and I, I do have arthritis and, oh my God, listen to me. Can we cut this part out? <laughs> nope. Kidding, but nope. I'm going to um, highlight it. I know, dude. <laughs> God. Old man yells at the sky. I know, dude. I know. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Something else. I, I think I'm like, when I was in high school, I was nervous about everything and I wasn't, I don't think I was very outgoing. Um, I was kind of Star Trek art nerd, you know, and I love that. I embrace that. I still am, but, um, in Star Wars, but, uh, you know, college, when I got to Iowa State and joined the fraternity, it kind of, I got a little bit more outgoing and now I feel like I can talk to anybody and, you know, I, I always want to be the center of attention. I, maybe that's not a positive thing, but you know, I, I like to be, I like to make people happy and laugh. Yeah, and that's always been the case. Yeah, so I, I like to, to, you know, if I walk into a room, um, I, I like to talk to people, make them laugh, and so I'm not, I'm not the quiet guy, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, that might be a little bit more different than when I was in high school. I yeah, know. but yeah, but listen though, you, you yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't be the same person you were in high school if you right. have have not changed at all then you're just yeah. stale. Like nobody, right. you shouldn't be the same person you were five years ago. Right. In a lot of ways I still am like, uh, you know, there's a still the Matt guys when he was 17 or 16 um, in, in me right now. But yeah, life experiences, you know, I've, you know, it definitely changes anything. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. all right, we're going to wrap this up here, but uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the chance. Yeah. If there's if there's anything you want to clear the air about or get off your chest from high school or any other experience. Oh God. This is gonna be that thing where we're done and I'm gonna be like, why the hell did I not bring that up? Uh clear the air. Um you know And that that's a strong phrase, clear the air. Like right. it doesn't have to be I did, I cheated on my chemistry test. It doesn't have to be something like that, but I mean I would take it. You know, no regrets, Aaron, but there, there, I wish, like, I was, uh, I wish I would have been in plays in high school because drama, and that, yeah, and that, yeah, and that goes back to me being a scaredy cat. Um, like, I, I took drama and I can't remember the drama teacher, but, um, I remember the first time I tried out for a play, she was like, Who's this guy? and I didn't get any parts, but then I took her class. By the time the class was over, we did some comedy skits and everything. She actually asked me to be in a play. And I'm like, why did I not take that up on her? And it was one of the lead roles. And um, I think it was just because I was a big chicken. And um, I kind of look back at that and like, I should have been more outgoing. And, yeah. And, and not let the fear make me, make me not do something that I probably would have had a blast. Yeah, that would have been fun. You know, I, I didn't take any art classes, any intro to art. So I never took any art classes because you by the time I would have for Mr. Domingo. No, no. It sounds like I really missed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were they were. I, you, you could carry that torch. <laughs> no, I'm good. No back rubs for me, man. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, bud. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you. Come on. It's always good to catch up. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's my fault, but we 
No, it's it takes two. That train goes both ways. I know. We shouldn't talk long before this, Aaron. I mean, there and we're not getting any younger. And there's so many people that I think about that I wish I would have done a better job of keeping in touch with. And and uh, yeah, you're definitely one of them. But yeah, but you're also living too. It's not like you're just sitting on a couch somewhere right. with flat feet smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and Peter Cartwright, you know, they yeah. buddy. I never talked yeah. to that guy anymore. I, I haven't. I've seen him here and there sometimes, but yeah, it, I'm the same way. I mean, life goes on, and and you, you play catch up at times, and right. We'll definitely have to have you back on um, yeah. after we roll through some of these others too, and catch up no, some I love more. It, man, I gotta actually listen to your podcast. I gotta. Um... Because I admit, I have to embarrassed to admit, I I hadn't listened to it, but I would like to hear other people and and uh, I mean, who doesn't like talking about themselves? So yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, it's a good forum. I basically just sit back and let you guys do the work. Yeah, and, and I really do want to hear about people, and it's uh, I think I'd love it. So you know, um, invite the the Facebook page is for yeah. Roosevelt people and, and Roosevelt people only is is what I want it to be. So invite any yeah. Roosevelt people you want. You know, we'll try to get them on. Um, I, yeah. I've made it known that like my my dream interview, and I'll interview anybody. I want to interview anybody grade wise or graduating class wise, but I want to interview Kim Carson because I was in awe yeah. of her. So when we were in school, I think she was above you, right? Uh, no. Or was she, she in your in my, grade? My grade. Yeah. Was like I was just in awe of her track abilities and basketball, nope. wow. and like she was just, you know. Right. Amazing. Yeah. But getting a chance to, to talk to her would be pretty cool. So Right. And, you know, this is kind of random, but um, and I don't keep in touch with her, but he, he, Rebecca Lewis, she she graduated with you guys, right? Yeah. Yep. And she's flying all over the place. She's I like, know. Yeah. So the places that she's gone, I mean, she could probably tell you about all sorts of different things around the world. You know, there's so many people that we went to school with that are doing some pretty cool things i agree and um, that's what this is going to be about yeah yeah no I, I think i think people i hope uh i hope it gets some traction audience because it's kind of limited in scope because it's just trhs but um I, I hope you get kind of a fan base and that that uh you keep doing these because I, I would like to hear from other people yeah, I've gotten some good feedback from people. Um, some nice messages sent, and they seem to be enjoying it. So let's keep it rolling, right? Yeah, try absolutely. to try to give everybody a little bit of something, and and that's right. that's the challenging part on my end. The rest of it's you guys. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure the more you do these, the better you'll be able to ask some questions. I mean, you did a great job with with me, but you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, thanks. Well, all right, thanks bud. For asking me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I love you. Take care of yourself and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Aaron. You bet. Bye. Bye.